0: the map room a business owner's guide to the art of harnessing choice the podcast that explores the world of business through the decisions owners face and the choices they create join the conversation with paul barnes and Stuart brown as they walk through some of the toughest decisions you have to make while leading a business and how understanding the choices can be used to guide strategy and optimize outcomes brought to you by map and a host of special guests We're back in the map room with the second half of our chat with Adam Downs, founder of Pura Vida. Okay, let's let's maybe turn to the thing that I suppose uh, is the obvious um, conversation. And you've mentioned there about building an asset and creating the asset with your business. Uh, And that's probably the question we get asked the most, which is around exit planning. So let's maybe talk about that as the obvious one. The question, obviously, I often ask is, Well, when is right? And the bit that where I do think there's a huge role of financial planners and others and other advisors, and um, your um, point of challenging questioning for business owners is so many times it's how much do I want versus how much do I need. And I personally, from experience, talking with clients and helping them, you know, having sold my own business and, you know, my um, requirements had changed between one and two, my view on the world had changed, the view on what I needed changed. Um, but I think sometimes there's a massive gap between what the business owner thinks they want and maybe what they need. Um, um, so, and I think that, you know, planning has a massive part to play in that. And I don't think there's enough work done and I don't think there's enough thought done to how much do I need? Because God forbid you sell that asset under value, not, I don't mean under the value that you got for it for that day, but you know, let's put it bluntly, you run out of that cash to to, to have that lifestyle, Or you retain that business for x many years longer than you needed to, to find out that actually you could have afforded the life you wanted five years earlier. So, where do you see financial planning fitting into the the sort of the should we say the asset disposal, the 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 business exit?
1: The starting point with this, as always, is the goals. So it's how do you want to live? So once we know how somebody wants to live, we can put a, a cost on that. So depending on how old they are, how long we expect them to live, we say, my ideal lifestyle looks like this. So that's the process of mapping that over, over time. We use sophisticated software to, to build this out to say, once this number is realized, how long is that going to last for? Am I going to run out of money? So it's, it's a fancy version of an Excel spreadsheet. Yep, That's all it is. But it, it's like it, a
0: personal cash flow type idea
1: exactly and and you can work out how much somebody needs based on how they want to live and that's that's the key with it is to understand what an ideal retirement looks like if it is retirement um, and how much that's going to cost I think that
0: does need uh, you know the professional view on it though you know the example I would give is you know I was working with uh, an entrepreneur two years ago and um, was very set on the plan the plan was building this asset and disposing this asset for a value and I sat with him and and personally thought at the time that he was undervaluing what the opportunity was, not what the business was at the time, what the opportunity was and I did say to him, Look before I get involved, I think you should go and see a financial planner you know that 's not my area of expertise, but this is why I think it matters and It was interesting that after doing that exercise. Um, the individual came back with a number that was twice what he set it out to be at the outset. And I think that's fascinating to really understand what it was whether that was part of his success or not he ended up selling that business for many many more times uh, greater than his first number and even the planner's number which is a brilliant story and it's great uh, but it was that view of really sitting down and thinking you know at a certain age you know wh- how much am i spending what do i need and i and i do think um you know i know of business owners who've sold an asset and for lots of reasons maybe not planning the lifestyle and not planning the financial return uh, have have regretted it in years later and that's a really sad thing I think
1: it is definitely and I think one of the key messages I'd I'd put out there to the business owners is to ask them if they enjoy it they enjoy what they're doing purpose is such an important thing in life um, and it's it's the thing that keeps us keeps us going and keeps us living what what are we living for and it's purpose Um, there are different types of business owners that want different things. So some business owners I speak to, it very much is that I want to get the business this value to then sell it, achieve financial independence, and then this is what my life looks like. There's other people that that will say that, but then when challenged, they talk about actually really enjoying their work, that they're happy to work on an evenings, they're happy to work on the weekends. And I think there's plenty of business owners out there that are marching towards this idea of financial independence and selling their business to give themselves security, but when what are they then losing by selling that business? And that's, that's a really interesting concept.
0: Right, Adam, that's really interesting to me because one of the areas that I'm passionate about with the podcast and the areas that we're covering is the concept of what I term circumstantial and intentional decision making. So the intentional decision is the plan that you make, your base plan, whether that's your business plan, your financial plan. So I'm this age, I want this amount of earnings, I want this amount of outcome. And then circumstances come along to completely change that plan. Something comes left to field and changes it. So I can think of a few things, but let's take them one at a time. So the obvious one I suppose to question now and raise would be market changes. So I've been around long enough to see a number of recessions and early 90s recession and obviously then the the financial crisis. But let's talk about maybe the more recent things. So COVID and how markets plunged. Uh, You know, my pension, I would assume everybody else's, at best froze. Some took a massive downward spiral. And that, I suppose, takes, either puts pressure on your plan, would you say, or takes value out of your bucket, whichever way you're going to look at it. What's your thoughts on that?
1: It's about identifying and managing risk. So in a personal financial plan, we can identify most of the most common things that will happen. So if we, if we pick on investments, just for a second, is we know investments are going to go up and down in value. My opinion on it is you just don't know in the short term. If you ask me what's going to happen in the financial markets this year, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. If you ask me what I think is going to happen over 10 years, there's a, there's statistically a very good chance that they go up. And over longer periods, what you're buying is certainty with time. So if I, I stay with this part of the financial plan, the investment, if we look at the data, um, the best source of data is the American stock market. If you go back to 1926, over every 20-year period, stock markets have gone up. So if you think about that for a second, if you if you invest at the worst possible time over the last 100 years, over 20 years, it's always gone up. So if you invest at the start of the Second World War, the, second, the, the end of the Second World War, all those different events that have happened, stock markets still go up. It's capitalism 101. But it's it is look it's taking that longer term view, isn't it? So I, exactly. I, I tweeted something yesterday, which
0: I know probably puts pressure on your industry when when and today you know we we all get we all see our information more readily it's not maybe just the annual pension report anymore so you know i made a comment today that on you know on monday both you know the dow jones and the s p 500 uh, the americans were describing it as you know uh catalytic and and uh problematical in that they were down one was down, I think, from the worst, the first six months of the year from 1962, one from, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. But it is just that six months. And that's your point, isn't it? That The risk is, I suppose, COVID came along and we all saw, oh, you know, this number's gone down and there was, you know, panic in lots of areas rather than thinking, well, what is this balance? What's it like in five years, 10 years time? And it is that you give advice to somebody, I know that's your advice head now, not the planning, or even the plan. Someone comes back and says, this plan is suddenly underwater it was a rubbish plan not understanding it's just that place in
1: time it's probably a rubbish plan if your plan is affected by a recession <laughs> simple as that because uh, as a financial journey we know we're going to go through multiple recessions how do you combat that then in a plan you know what would be a real
0: example of what a listener should maybe consider if they've got a plan They should review and see if it's in it. If they haven't got it, what do they need to consider? What does a recession-proof plan look like?
1: It's having enough buffer in a plan. So that life event where you need the money because we planned it, um, it's not going to make a difference if you're in a recession or not. There's nobody that I retire and say, you can retire this year and then the stock market goes down and then it's a conversation of saying, we need to alter your spending. If, if something were to happen in the plan that fundamentally changed, we could adjust the plan in retirement, as an example. For those people that are building assets over time, it's your friend, this volatility. Risk and reward is linked. Um, this is what we'll see with business owners. It's likely for business owners, the highest return of any asset they'll ever own is probably their business. But the, the risk is immense. There's a chance that business goes bust, and that's the reality, unfortunately. When we're looking at personal financial planning we look to mitigate that by investing globally across the entire stock market um, and only accepting the level of volatility that your plan can accept. So someone that's investing in their 20s should have a different investment approach than someone that's approaching retirement. There's other risk in plans as well it's not just in some ways the volatility in the stock market is not a risk in a lot of people's plans it's, it's other more significant events. So when we look at uh, health it's its something that prevents us from working even in the event of death and those those are the risks that really alter the, someone's financial plan but we're aware of those risks so it, in those in those terrible events we want to arrange our someone's affairs so that the people they care about are looked after and that's where the products come into this yeah is is having financial security so if something does go wrong um. The people that you care about are looked after um, so insurance does have a big part to play as much as i'm i'm anti kind of sales and and particularly commission that's the industry that's been built around commission with insurance products they're a brilliant use uh they have a brilliant use in a financial plan to give that that security so it, it i think it's a lot simpler to financially plan someone's personal affairs than it is the business because there's a lot more unknowns and there's a lot more risk involved with the business with the financial plan we're planning over decades again with an example of of retirement planning is that someone is going to be using their their life savings the assets they've accumulated they're going to be using it over many many years it's not a case of okay i retire then i need to access all this money so it's spread over time okay and i
0: suppose the, the the flip side of that is you know, that, that's saying, OK, these things come along to uh, maybe put pressure on your plan, put tests on your plan. Um, but what about those things that, that you said there about, you know, getting life in order? And then, so in the last two years, I've lost both my parents and uh, myself and two siblings have had the, the benefit of... Sale of a property and then an inheritance that, to put it bluntly, we weren't expecting. It wasn't in my plan, um, because my both my parents were going into social care. So you assume, therefore, that um, you know, uh, not getting into any politics in our podcast, but that's going to cost money, um, and so that wasn't in my plan. And so I, I would use the phrase that's maybe a windfall. Whether that's the right thing to say. Um, how do you adapt that then in a plan so you're talking about making your plan recession proof because volatility um you know has its impact good and bad but what what about where suddenly something comes along is it does that change your plan does it just accelerate the outcome how how do you deal with uh as i say let's use the phrase windfall because most people recognize that as a positive impact how do you deal with that in a plan
1: well it's it's in for some reasons it's positive um in terms of financial planning, it's a positive outcome. So it goes back to options. So we go back to how someone wants to live now and in the future and that additional money that's been that's been brought into the plan, does that change what you can do? So if you're in a position where you've achieved financial independence and you do everything that you want to do, it's probably not going to change your plan at all because you're already doing everything that you want to do. People don't overnight um, just decide they want to, just spend the money for the sake of it. So if that happens, it's a case of thinking about the people that they care about. So go back to the mission, helping our clients, our team, and those they care about. It's often about those other people that that we care about. So if the plan shows you don't need that money because you've achieved financial independence, it's helping other people often. If it's a case of someone is accumulating their wealth and moving towards financial independence, that probably speeds things up. So it gives the gives those the options to say, well, this has happened. What does this now mean? Let's revisit the plan. How does it change things? So it's probably a case of that date where you expect to retire might move or the amount that you need might change.
0: Okay. We've said we don't want to bring politics into the map room, but uh, we, I can't help but mention um, cost of living as it stands today. Cost of living is a, is a pressure on, um, to use your phrase, our family and the ones we care about and our employees, etc. I'm going to use a phrase which is, you know, the million pounds, the millionaire isn't what it used to be. You know, that, that's the thing that sometimes I think that very often when we talk to business owners about selling, they they, they look in big numbers and they look at um, sometimes I'm going to say status driven. And, and I made that mistake many years ago. Um, but talk to me about your view on, you know, the cost of living now. And, you know, is it about you've used the phrase financial independence quite a few times today. What's the difference between you know, the life so you know, I'm gonna use the phrase millionaire lifestyle. I don't wish to offend anybody with saying that. Millionaire lifestyle versus, you know, financial independence. Talk to me how you differentiate that.
1: Well it could arguably be the same thing. Is what is someone's millionaire lifestyle is it's the ability to do the things that's most important to that individual. And that's what it's about is is financial independence is being able to do everything that you want to do. So there's plenty of, millions of millionaires out there that don't have financial independence because of the way they, they live. They can't do everything that's important to them. So when we're looking at the numbers and the numbers you need from the business, it, it, it often is a round number, which is often a million, two million, whatever it is. And that's not really linked to what's, what's important. Um, so it's just a number, and it's a, it's about making the numbers work for you and what's right for you. So going back to uh, the listener and their own ideal lifestyle, their Pura Vida, that's where it starts. It's saying, what does your millionaire lifestyle look like? What does financial independence look like to you? And how can we make that happen? Okay, L-
0: let's maybe break that down then. So what that lifestyle might look like. You've mentioned holidays a few times there. So you're talking about the ability to you know plan ahead you know not just sit there on a on a on a wet january the 2nd and get the uh, the brochure out but but plan ahead and say you know part of my quality of life is this i will say you know when when my kids were primary school age i definitely didn't spend enough time and that's one of the things that i'm passionate about now passing on to other young entrepreneurs, and as you said about people, young families, make that time because, you know, yes, you can build that asset, but the most important thing you're going to build in your life is memories. So, so you know, I am passionate about that. Um, so there's holidays, but there's also, you, you know, going through my own experience, and you've also said there about maybe the retirement and the not working and the, you know, being able to maybe do a little bit less, but still get the fulfillment that you need. So that's an area i would like to understand. And the the classic one for me, which and, and I get into lots of discussions with this, um, that if that opportunity arose and if that life changing transaction happened, um I am a believer and maybe I'm just too old fashioned as you know, the first thing you do is pay your mortgage off. And and yet I know lots of other advisors, and that might not be the same as planners, that would say, Do you really want to do that? Because there's a different way of affording that, et cetera. Do you have any black and white opinion? Again, is it based on the individual? In terms of, okay, should I sell my business, should I pay my mortgage off, yes or no? <laughs> I do like blunt questions, as you know. Uh,
1: no, there isn't. There isn't a straightforward answer. Yeah. It's, it's much more complicated than that um, because it, it, it is the detail in that financial plan is to say, well, what is right for you? So we talked about logic versus emotion earlier. For a lot of people, when they realise that money, it's a significant emotional benefit to pay off their mortgage to be debt-free. It's not necessarily the most logical, or uh, the phrase I actually like to use is the encountering argument, look at the pure numbers. Yeah. It's not necessarily the right thing for the pure numbers, but it's about well-being. Um, and if that makes you feel good, there is a value in that. It's not just about the bottom line of what's mm. net worth. Um, and, that's, and that's the most important thing now and in the future. It's not that bottom line of net worth. It's the decisions that you're going to make what's the best decisions to make to benefit you
0: but i suppose that the challenge to that and, and we we know you've you've been very clear about you should look at your plan over a long period of time and you gave the example of the the 20 year cycles in in stock markets etc uh, my nan used to have a great phrase which was there's no pockets in shrouds so it was all about you know yes spend your money and and my nan was one for you know uh, cruises and all those all those kind of things um I'm, my, my, and I'm happy to share it, one of my objectives is to leave a stronger financial legacy for my own two children. Um, but it, I'm struggling with, you You use the phrase balance quite a lot. Where, how do you counteract that view of, um, you know, my wife will believe and say, if she was sat here today, that I sometimes am very conservative about, but I want this, I want this, I want this in the future. Maybe not Giving it up today, uh, you know, and that that point, you know, there are no pockets and shrouds. What's the balance of, you know, nobody wants to live a large uh, inheritance tax liability to the taxman and all those things? What's your, your thoughts on that, if it's not too morbid? <laughs> I,
1: I think it's important to explore those thoughts for you. So, you as an individual, is the reasons and your beliefs why you might think that you need th- that money as an asset now. Um, and exploring if you do need that money as an asset now. So whilst we're talking about uncertainty with anybody's financial plan, of course there needs to be buffer. There needs to be, with any of the projections we make or forecast, it is built on assumptions. But then there's a point that it's reasonable to say, I'm planning everything that I want to do. It's, this is how much everything's going to cost. These are some additional things that might come up there's a buffer in there i might want to spend i might change my mind in a few years and want to spend 200,000 pounds on a an apartment in the in the south of france because i wasn't planning that but now i do so it's it's that idea of saying let's build the financial plan for financial independence and then having plenty of buffer in there to say well all these other circumstances might happen have that covered and then what's left so we can talk about well what's the exact number that we need i don't look at it that that bluntly and accurately because there's as much kind of art as there is science to financial planning but there is a point that's reasonable and there's a point of saying this is comfortable financial independence this is your number as much as we can plan so what about these assets you're never going to need these assets when we're talking about legacy planning helping those that we care about what's the psychology around saying well maybe we don't give them away now and challenging those that that thought process to say, why is it that perhaps you're reluctant to give those assets away, even though you know those people that you're going to care about are going to benefit from it? And that's the thing to try to get the bottom to the bottom of. I think as part of that conversation is is to challenge what we think. And a lot of what I do is about giving people financial confidence. So it's financial confidence now and in the future. So. It's giving people the ability to spend money on the things that are most important to them, and that's that's one of the most powerful things I can do. And, and
0: sorry, is that then your confidence? Is is confidence therefore um, don't feel guilty about the spend, don't feel nervous about the spend. Don't when you say confidence, mm. just explain that to me slightly, because the psychology of decision making is going to be another another episode. And we're gonna, we're going to do that very soon. Um, but I'm interested in that there. So confidence. Is, is it the confidence to make this, the decision to spend the money or is it the confidence to, you know, take that from the pot?
1: For a lot of us, we have this fear of running out of money. So I think it's something that, that drives me in business is to achieve that financial independence. What, what if it all goes horribly wrong? I've got this, this thing to rely on. Um, it, once we achieve financial independence it's about us really believing in it and and that's important so working with a financial planner helps you reassess that plan on at least an annual basis to say you remain in a great position do everything that you want to do um and that that challenges our psychology and it can i see it with most people when they retire it takes a couple of years to get used to it so with years and years of of kind of working and saving, it sticks with us. Mm. And then it's really quite hard to spend money. For the people that I I work with that are now retired, at least half my conversation, half the time we spend is uh, talks about spending it and how we're gonna spend it. And hopefully giving the people the confidence when, once I leave that meeting, because we've looked at this robust plan. Mm. We've talked about what can happen in the stock market. We've talked about what can happen with inflation. We've talked about interest rates. I've shown them all these different scenarios, stress testing the plan, to say there's nothing to worry about. Trust the plan, in essence. Go do those things that are important. When we're talking about legacy planning, it's it can be really powerful to help people plan their legacy whilst they're still alive and see the people mm-hmm. that they want to benefit from that money, benefiting from it in their lifetimes. So it's, it's this thing that, it's spending money on the things that are most important to but us.
0: I'd like to bring that back, just something there, which I think is really important is, you know, I'm now uh, 55 and I'm in a position where sadly I have lost friends, which is, you know, you don't expect. I, I said about losing my parents, but I've lost friends. And, you know, I would say to everybody, you know, don't leave it too late. Don't, don't, a bucket list should not be something that you're trying to cram in. Um, and maybe that's part of this phraseology of create this pathway, maybe get that bucket list going. And as you say, don't wait until you have say, you know what, I've not been to Disneyland or with my grandkids or whatever it is you're going to do. I suppose that's part of it. But I, I, I passionately believe now, and I do say to people, um, I was speaking to um, somebody yesterday about uh, a potential plan on something who's 10 years younger than I am. And I said, look, the one thing, please trust me, that 10 years is going to go by like you would never Understood and believed. Uh, you know, it's a bit like dog ears in reverse. The older you get, every 12 months seem shorter, but, but, you know, don't leave it. So maybe, you know, I'd like to probably finish today by talking about your views on some practical steps. We like to try and leave the listeners with something that they can take and put back in their, other business or their life to say, okay, you started by saying, we started this conversation by you saying, understand what's really important. So what questions or context would you give to some people to say, this is what I think you need to consider um, and, and so it doesn't become your last minute bucket list?
1: Okay, so I'll start with probably something that's not going to seem very practical, even though we're looking at practical steps, is to ask the listener to think about how they'd live their life if money wasn't an object, i.e. they played the Euro Millions and then won that, that winning ticket, you've got £100 million in the bank what would you change how do you live your life and it might seem a little bit unrealistic but challenging us to think about what financial aspects are holding us back is a really good starting point to say well actually i'd like to do this i'd like to do that the the other thing i challenge the listener to think about is is time as well so if you had more time what do you do what do you do more of so if you answer those two questions in terms of money was an object and you had time, you might get to some sensible areas where you think, I'd like to do more of that. So it's not about like ripping it up, at the, the, the kind of the plan and the business and, and going sailing in the next 12 months. It's, it's not that, it's about saying, well, actually I'd like to sail more. Um, how can I do more of that now and in the future? So being really clear on the things that are important to you comes from good questions. So if you think about, well, if money is an object, and if, if or if I had more time, so the, you might have the constraints of money, but you had more time, you might do things differently. And the things that are most important to us often cost money, but often it's just time. So if I had more time, we talk about family members is a really good one. So thinking about this year and saying, what's a great year look like? let's not put these things off mm. how can we do some of this now we're not necessarily going to quit our jobs or sell our businesses but perhaps we can do more of it and that's the challenge that I set myself all the time and if I'm honest I'm I'm failing it at the moment I'm busy in business things are going well but it's uh, it's at what cost and I need to make sure for myself I'm aligning the things that are real important for me and my family with how I do my work so that's that's something I'm working on personally and that's Hopefully, something that I can challenge the listeners to think about and start to implement now, but also set some some goals in the longer term as well.
0: I think that's I think that's an excellent viewpoint. I think it's also probably an excellent uh, place and time to bring this to a close. I think one thing we have seen um, through uh, the pandemic period is business owners exactly that challenging their wise why am I doing this you know it was about team now I can't meet my team we're all working from home it was about and I think actually business owners then maybe being forced which is not a bad thing to spend more time at home has made them think about that but we've had so many clients that are challenging or asking what do I want to do this for what is my fulfilment so I think that's a really uh, interesting place to finish so all it really uh, leaves me to say is obviously thank you Adam I think it's been a great conversation uh, it is a subject that that you know I am biased about but I think it's really important um, you know and, and the one thing I will say to anybody is don't leave it too late you know that, that really really matters so I'm going to say thank you so much for your time Adam it's been really appreciative and um, for everyone who's taken the time to listen to us thank you and we will see you again soon bye for now The MAP Room has been brought to you by MAP, the outsourced finance function for digital agencies. Subscribe via your
1: usual podcast app to never miss an episode.